Hello and welcome to this week's edition of SBC This Week, a roundup of news and views from around the Southern Baptist Division. SBC This Week is hosted by Amy Whitfield and Jonathan Howe. Hey Jonathan, how's it going? Man, I am ready for March Madness. Me too! I, I have no basketball coach right now at LSU. Right. But I'm ready anyway. But even without your basketball coach, you still took Vanderbilt last SEC week. SEC champions. Oh my goodness. Woo! Because Vanderbilt is terrible. Vanderbilt is so bad. Well, and they're done now. Right. Because they, they got bounced in the first game of the SEC tournament. Right. Bye-bye, Vandy. You're terrible. Yes. Ofer, Amy. They went Ofer the SEC. I know. It's the worst. My dad and I were talking about it, and it's the worst in the history of Vanderbilt basketball, and so very disappointing. Yes. Now, I've still got high hopes, so I was actually more concerned about the Belmont game, which they lost. Oh, they lost that was to Murray a, State. That was a rough one, dear. Yeah. They lost. Lipscomb lost. Everybody lost. Yeah. So, here's the thing. Belmont really deserves um, to get in, but I know they're up against a lot of other teams. The committee's going to have yeah. tough decisions to make. So, I mean, they well, could get in. But... Santa Clara, I'm sorry, not Santa Clara. Uh, St. Mary's did not help them by beating Gonzaga. Yeah, so, so I would... That that didn't help things. Right, I would love to see them in. I, I, um, I posted on Twitter earlier this week a great article about Rick Bird, just how he talked about just... Letting, you know, it's the committee's job to decide. It's a tough decision. You know, he's just, he's such a class act. So I I kind of mm-hmm. hold out hope, but, you know, you never know. Wofford really, as we talked about, really excited for Wofford. Yeah. But I, I don't know. I don't I mean, know that I'll have anybody us. that I'm just pulling for one. I'll just, I'll do a bracket and, uh, unless Belmont were to, you know, make, ha, were, ha, were to have a miracle and get in. So. Yeah. Just pull for the uh, coachless Tigers. So I mean, you know, eh, the I've never really I pulled mean, for LSU. There's still room on the bus, Amy. There's still room on the Thanks, bus. Thanks, I'll remember that. All right. Well, before we get into this, we're talking March Madness, and before we get into our show, we do want to remind you that March Madness in the SBC means SBTS Madness. Our friends at Southern Seminary are giving away more than 100 books from their world-renowned faculty. You can visit sbts.edu/madness to learn more and win free books from professors like Tom Schreiner, Don Whitney, Greg Allison, Herschel York, Albert Muller, and many, many more. That's sbts.edu/madness. Did you see the video that they posted? I tweeted it out from our account today. No, I didn't. I was too busy looking at the recipe you tweeted out from the account. But oh yes, yeah, yes. We'll, we'll talk about that at yeah. the end. There's a couple of things we need to some loose ends we need to tie up at the yes. end. Yes, but yes, they put out a video. It's pretty funny. Oh, you need I'm to looking check it at out. it right now. I've got it. Uh, the sound yeah. isn't on, but I'm I'm yeah, watching obviously. the. The uh, video. There's a cameo by Dr. Moore in there, too. Oh, very so, nice. And Dr. York. So, yeah. It's pretty neat. And uh, I saw, I think, uh, Don Whitney makes a, yes. a cameo. And Jonathan in there, Pennington so. with the coffee cars and theology, I think is what it's called. Oh, yeah, okay. with his pulling sure. up in his car. You know about that, right? Yeah, he hadn't invited me on. That video series. Yeah, yeah. Trevin was on it the other day. Yeah, uh-huh. that's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah, I know what it is. Now, I'm waiting for someone to do um, carpool karaoke in the SBC. That's the one I'm interested in. Oh, with like he old hymns, with old hymns and stuff. Ooh, well, I, yeah, sure, yeah, sure. That's it. Yeah, okay. Yeah, we can do hymns. Yeah, that's it. That's what I would sing in the car, of course. I mean, you should start that at Southeastern. Yeah, I totally. Will. Carpool karaoke Just, with Amy. You you keep an eye and out for that. Bring back your double word winning winning ways. Yeah, watch for that. Don't even. Nope, we're not going there. Okay, we'll we'll keep an eye out for that. All right, well, on to the news, Amy. Over to Texas. We've spent a lot of time in Texas the last month or so, and this one comes from our friend Robert Downen at the Houston Chronicle. 
A bill has been introduced in the Texas legislature that would allow nonprofits and churches, basically, to disclose sexual misconduct allegations against former employees without being sued. So that's a, that's a big one, especially in light of what we've been talking about with the uh, the sex abuse allegations within the SBC. One major point of discussion surrounding this whole issue has been the challenge that some people will find in uh, churches or ministries that the fear of disclosing allegations to someone else, to potential employers. So if someone uh, were, if, if someone had been alleged to have committed abuse in a particular situation and then they are going to another congregation, that first church may be concerned about disclosing concerns about former employees. Now, obviously, there have been many conversations of saying, we can't do that. We shouldn't, fear of lawsuits shouldn't stop us from that. That's a fair conversation. But I think we we throw everything on the table and say, all right, if that's a barrier, let's do everything we can to get rid of it. And this is a bill that would do that. That would say Texas nonprofits would be allowed to disclose sexual misconduct allegations against former employees without being sued. So this comes with uh, support already voiced from the ERLC and the SBTC. A lot of Southern Baptists are, supp- are supportive of it. And also the legislator, Scott Sanford, uh, a representative there in the state of Texas, he is a Southern Baptist minister. So this is a really big step um, and something that I would like to see showing up in states all across the country. Yeah, and it's important because you're able to disclose information like the bill says, without the threat of being sued or without the potential legal ramifications of that. And you can say, yes, we let go of so-and-so because he did such and such, or that there were allegations about this. You know, you don't even have to prove the allegations. You just say that there were allegations there. It may not even be a, a conviction or something like that, but at least there are allegations there. And that's important because in our next story, this brings us to kind of a follow-up story from a story that we covered back in May when David Sills uh, left Southern Seminary. And Amy, kind of explain what's going on here. When that happened last year, the reasons were not disclosed. Everyone had kind of an indication of of something, but really didn't know, you know, the the scope that wasn't public. And so some new details came out last week, became public. There are a few different stories that were done on this. Baptist Press, Baptist News Global, Biblical Recorder expanded on the story from Baptist Press. And they linked to a full statement, to the full statement uh, of allegations that include details of what she describes as sexual abuse beginning while she was a Southern Seminary student. So we'll have all the links in the show notes to that. But it really demonstrates the challenge here that that this bill in Texas is addressing, uh, that that in some ways even at some risk to herself, she came forward with these allegations, but in personnel issues, communicating things to uh, future ministry positions, and, uh, and that's kind of part of the whole story, it, it can be tied up by these these fears. So that really gets addressed in her statement. And this just continues to highlight it's important for us to 
to when these stories come and when people come forward to tell them, it's important for us to listen, even as difficult as it may be. But I think it also highlights how important that bill in Texas is. So, yeah, Amy, there's a, like you said, there are three articles there. We'll link to all three. Uh, all three of them kind of help give you kind of the full picture of everything that's going on. So we would recommend you check those out. Over to Gateway Seminary, Amy, I know this is a big thing for you as a seminary employee and especially uh, your husband as a the dean and acting provost right now, but they just got their accreditation renewed by the Western Association of Senior Colleges and Universities Commission. That is great. Good for them. Um, every time you get reaccreditation affirmed, that is cause to celebrate uh, because that is such a big process every 10 years. Um, I went through it one time at Southern. We'll have our next visit uh, in a few years at Southeastern, and so I'll get to experience it here. Um, it is one of those things that I wouldn't say it's fun. It is certainly important to you know communicate to your creditors, but boy, when it's over, that's a real relief. So congratulations to Gateway Seminary. Uh, from that for that affirmation over to Georgia now the Georgia Baptist under the direction of Thomas Hammond Jr. Uh, they've rolled out some restructuring plans earlier this week and uh, this is something I talked to Thomas Hammond about last month whenever we were here in Nashville for Lifeway trustee meeting he's one of our trustees and I wanted to present three core values uh, along with the restructuring number one pastors are our heroes Number two, churches are our priority. And number three, Georgia is our mission field. So those are the three priorities. And they're going to six regions in the state with five different teams. So each region will have five teams with a lead strategist. Uh, that'd be church strengthening, pastor wellness, research and development, Georgia Baptist women, and strategic church planting. All right, so each one of those will have five catalytic leaders evangelism, missions, discipleship, next generation, and then music and worship. So he's going to have kind of breaking it down into regions, and each of them are going to have a person over each of those areas. So that'll allow them to better reach the state, better connect with pastors, and better serve the churches of Georgia. Uh, I hope to get him on the podcast soon to be able to, to kind of unpack this a little bit more, but there's a good article at Baptist Press uh, that you can check out for more information, especially if you live in Georgia. Absolutely. This is really cool stuff. So looking forward to seeing that take effect. So Amy, we are less than 100 days. That's pretty incredible. Until SBC 19. And we've got some details from Crossover and everything that'll be going on with the North American Mission Board and the Alabama State Board of Missions this June. Yeah. So Crossover, which always happens the, the week before the SBC, They've announced they're going to mobilize 400 teams of volunteers to knock on 20,000 doors in the Metro Birmingham area on Saturday, the weekend before the SBC annual meeting. So they've decided to take this approach that they're going to do as big of a concentrated push as they can in one day. That's what Joel Sutherland said from the evangelism team at NAM. They got plans for van loads of people to come in. Uh, Johnny Hunt. And uh, John, Johnny Hunt is going to be part of training volunteers on how to have gospel conversations. They're going to they'll they'll have that that as a training rally at the church at Brook Hills, but they'll simulcast it around Alabama and really try to get folks excited. Of course, I know that there are seminary students that usually are are working throughout the week leading up to Saturday, so all the seminaries so. 
So lots of the seminaries will send students for door-to-door evangelism in those few days before. And then uh, on Saturday, man, they're just going to blanket Birmingham. So very exciting. It'll be great to hear that report on Tuesday morning. And now, Amy, we have some news from your neck of the woods over at Southeastern. So the Master of Arts in Ministry to Women is a degree that we've had for some time, but this is a new format. So basically, it takes uh, the layered hybrid format. And and how we do that is you come to campus for five days in the middle of the semester. So you spend six weeks doing online work in one class leading up to that five-day block And then the first two and a half days, you finish the work from that class in the classroom. Then you're done, and then you start the next one in the second half of that block. And then you finish that out online for the the following six weeks. So it allows you to do two classes over the course of a semester with some on-campus and distance components. But what we did is take all of the ministry specialization courses, the ones that are very specific to ministry to women, and offer those in a layered hybrid format. And then all the other classes from the MA core are available on campus or online or in hybrids, however. So the big, big win for this is that women who live anywhere can do this degree. And that's been a huge barrier is that it, it, it's been an on-campus degree only. And now this format lets women do it in kind of a cohort style where they get to connect with one another, build a network. We'll bring in, and during the in-class portion, we'll bring in practitioners from the field. This is a great, great thing. Julia Bickley is heading it up, which she is just fantastic. One of my favorite people. People can start applying for it now, uh, but it, it really kicks off in the fall, and we are very excited. All right, Amy, that is exciting news from Southeastern. I know you are excited to have women from all around the country coming to get MAs in ministry to women. So I congratulate you and Julia and the entire team at Southeastern for that. And I know that'll serve women and the church well. That's going to bring us to my favorite part of the week this week in SBC history. Amy, blow our minds. We're going to go back to a long time ago, over a century, but I have to start out by confessing that I kind of phoned it in this week. I didn't really do the normal research work that I typically do because I let Adam Greenway, the new president of Southwestern Seminary, do it for me from a tweet I saw today. So we're going to go to 1908, which is when Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary was officially chartered. It was on March 14th. So it was 111 years ago. So Southwestern was birthed out of Baylor University's theology department. But This was uh, the week when they were chartered, and so Adam Greenway called attention to that on Twitter this week, and he did that in a particular announcement, and it's that they're going to return to the historic seminary seal as the primary institutional logo. So it's kind of a a rebrand, but not really a rebrand. It's like it's going back. So it's not a new, it's it's not a new branding, but it's just going back. And I, I like the way he said, when you see that royal blue and white dome, you know, it's SWBTS. So pretty cool thing. I like the look. I was nosing around on the website and, and seeing it and a n- nice nod to, for those of us who love history. So wanted to, to call attention to that and to say that 111 years ago, Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary was officially chartered, and it all happened this week in SBC history. 
That's very cool, Amy. And congratulations again to Dr. Greenway and his team that out there. And, you know, just a couple of weeks in, already seeing some progress and some developments at Southwestern. So I know they're excited about that. And we are excited about the future of the school and how it's tied into the history of the school. So uh, we'll keep an eye out for more developments from Southwestern. That's going to bring us to our resources of the week. Amy, your resource of the week is? All right. Mine is a new resource that's going to be coming out, I believe, even before the SBC. It's called Healing Together, a guide for helping sex abuse survivors. And this is coming from Anne Marie Miller, who we've shared her story, um, shared an interview with her a few weeks ago that she had done on NPR. Uh, this was has been a really, really tough one in the SBC, but an important one for us to know about. So that was the story that involves Mark Adderholt. But this is a resource that she's doing that's really focusing on how churches can help survivors. And she's doing it in partnership with BNH. So that's that's really exciting. And they're trying working together to make it affordable. Uh, that even I think if you have an electronic version, it's free. That a printed version is a, a, a really small amount. So that way to get it in people's hands. But Here's the main part of the resource this week that I want to put out. She's developed a really quick survey to just get what questions people might have. Church leaders or, you know, advocates, anything and resources that they need to help sexual abuse survivors. It's eight questions really quick. Things like what is one thing you want to know about survivors? What is one thing that confuses you about survivors? Something you wish the church would do in regard to survivors of sex abuse? Um, how much you know about reporting policies, kind of ranking on a scale. I know nothing or some uh, or everything, you know, just a very brief survey for her to really see what are some things that people feel like they don't know in the church. And so I think she's doing this for churches far and wide, but in particular, uh, really wants to get this in the hands of Southern Baptist church leaders. So if, uh, if you can go on over, we'll have the link and help that project out. Take that survey. All right. Well, I'll have to check that out as well. My resource of the week is a new book from Lifeway. It's called It's Worth It. And it's by Landry Holmes, and it's about Vacation Bible School. I don't, I don't know if you saw this, Amy, but this week at Facts and Trends was VBS week, and uh, we had a photo shoot. I did. So, little known fact about Keith Whitfield, his favorite animal is a giraffe. So, I have already been sharing that with him because the VBS theme is, is it Into the Wild, I think? Something? In the Wild. Yeah, In, in the, wild. the Wild. And so, it's it has some you know, giraffe pictures and the design. And I've already shared that with him. Yeah. So we, we took some pictures. We had a, a little photo shoot with me and the team. And I don't know if you saw it. We, we went and got VBS snacks. We had the butter cookies, the little, you put on your fingers, the rings and some Kool-Aid and just had a, had a really good time. Amy, do you have memories of VBS as a kid that you had those kind of snacks? Absolutely. And the best day, because in my church, Different ladies from the church would come and bring the cookies and the Kool-Aid. And so my favorite day of VBS week was when my grandma was one of the host ladies. Oh, that makes sense. And uh, so that I have a, a great memory of those VBS snacks. But, you know, we did not use the Baptist Sunday School Board VBS. So well, I, I don't know why it would be the best thing that you could possibly use. You, you probably understand. Oh, well, yeah, I guess so. The uh, The music would be a little superfluous, I guess, in the Church of Christ setting. Right. <laughs> All right. Well, yeah. Anyway, the book, It's Worth It, 
kind of walks through VBS and why it is a great opportunity for your church to reach your community and do it, you know, through like one week and how that one week of VBS can really radically shape and transform your church and your local congregation. Highly recommend you doing VBS. It's not too late to kind of get started if you want to do that for 2019 in the summer. Uh, it's the easiest way and the best way, in my opinion, to connect with your community, to connect with families in the community, and to be able to share the gospel all at the same time. So check out It's Worth It by Landry Holmes from Lifeway. And uh, I mean, every time that I hear that that title of the book, I, I think of the Andrew Peterson song, Is He Worthy? And I, I kind of think in my head, it is, uh, because it's worth it. It is. Instead nope. Of, is he worthy? Nope. You get it? Yeah, it just doesn't work. All right. Well, that's going to do it for the episode this week, Amy. I know, I know we talked about it kind of at the top. We alluded to it, but today is Pi Day. We're recording this, and yes, uh, that means we we've been tweeting a little bit about pies right. uh, on the podcast uh, Twitter feed today. And though you and I may disagree on uh, sweet potatoes and and the abomination of a pie that that thing becomes, uh, we do agree on buttermilk that it is now, the best pie now i like sweet potato pie i still would rank it i, I wouldn't rank it super high no, but you ranked rank it, it near like 643 yeah 643rd i don't think there are even that many pies to well, be honest i would make up pies before i would eat sweet potato pie right so i just feel like it was too harsh to to put it that because I would eat sweet potato pie I think it's very good not me uh but but buttermilk pie is number one I remember I was 12 years old when I realized you know you don't have to have cake for your birthday if you like pie better and I switched that I was going to have buttermilk pie on my birthday that's a good call and so for years if I have anything it's buttermilk pie hmm. so Folks got just a few months. Uh, they got less than 100 days to get you buttermilk pie for your birthday. Right. So I'll have to have I'll have to have some some buttermilk pie. Now we did share a recipe. Oh yeah. From, from Donna the Gaines. Uh, SBC this week is a Donna Gaines recipe for buttermilk pie. I'm gonna have to try that because there's one problem with my family recipe for buttermilk pie. What's that? It's that, and the problem is more a problem of it's just too dangerous in my house because the recipe I have makes two pies. Oh, that's not a problem. That just means I will eat a whole lot more pie than I really should. So, I still don't see the problem here. I know it's math, but all you have to do is half it. I would rather just go with Donna Gaines's recipe that is for one and not have to think like that. I love because it's, I guess it's pie day and pie day. So it's the, because it's March 14th. So it's 314. And I really got tickled at myself today because I started remembering, okay, I know what pie is, the math of reference i know it's 3.14 and a billion other numbers i cannot for the life of me remember what the purpose of that number is and i don't even want anybody to tell me because i don't care well amy you got to know it's it's circumference and diameter and i just said i don't want anybody to tell me i just don't even care but it it fast i kind of got fascinated at myself to think i don't even remember i knew it was geometry that's it. I'm, it's good that my dad, my dad does not listen to this podcast, and he would be so ashamed if he heard me saying all this. Well, how would you know how far around a basketball is, the circumference of a basketball? You take the diameter, multiply it times pi. If you want to know the area of a circle, you take the radius, which is half the diameter. You square that, radius squared, times pi. There you go. You got your area. That, 
I, I don't understand why that is so difficult. I think that's precious that you would say all that as if I would do any of it. Well, it's just basic math. I I know. So I'm just saying, but I can't, I I just, I couldn't remember. I was like, what is, I know the number is 3.14 and I know it's March 14th. But anyway, so nobody tell my dad, the former math teacher, um, and just know that I do not do any of the math help. That's probably a good thing. my family. But it's like, I, it's just like I turned that part of my brain off. It's really weird. I was good at it. I was good at it. But I just said, nope, don't want to do it anymore. And that's it. Kind of crazy. But I enjoyed the pie day that had to do with eating. I just didn't, I didn't get to eat any pie today. But maybe I'll, maybe I'll make buttermilk pie this weekend. Well, that sounds like fun. I did have pie today because I, and but I didn't mean to have pie. I wasn't planning on it, but it just happened. Uh, at the office, Dr. Wagner brought in some chocolate pie. And that he'd picked up from Dozen Bakery here in Nashville. And then I got home tonight, and Beth, on her way home, had stopped at the grocery store to pick up some chicken. Nice. And also grabbed a lemon meringue pie. So I had both go. kinds of pie. There you go. Neither one of them was buttermilk. But, eh, I had pie. It was available, so I ate it. Very I'm not, good. I'm not a pie snob unless it comes to sweet potato, which is terrible. All right. Well, that's enough pie talk, Amy. We've covered the news. We've covered pie. We've covered basketball. We'll see you next week. See you next week.